Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how important it is as leaders to be generous with the people we lead and three important ways we can do so. You're listening to the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well, hey, everyone, we're talking about generosity today and how we are able to be generous in our leadership. I truly believe those words of Jesus, it is better to give than to receive, uh, is something that we should base our life off of, as the Apostle Paul quoted Jesus in Acts, uh, because I personally have experienced the blessings of being generous, and not just in my leadership, but in general in life as a follower of Jesus. This way of living is a kingdom way of living. Being generous is a part of our humanity's DNA because we were made in the image of God. It was our destiny to be generous, to give to others, um, because this is who God is. I like what John MacArthur said about this point. He said, God made all of his creation to give. He made the sun, the moon, the stars, the clouds, the earth, the plants to give. He also designed his supreme creation, man, humanity, to give. But fallen man is most reluctant giver in all of God's creation. Man, we become the most reluctant giver in creation because of our sin nature. Uh, it seems to be hard for us as humans to give at times. Uh, yet we know that we thrive when we live off of the words of Jesus, being generous, giving. But we struggle with it. It still takes a lot of effort and faith on our part to fight the flesh in this area. And so today, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want us to learn how to be generous and what that looks like um, in our leadership. We know and are inspired by other people who are generous, right? Um, And if we look at people we admire or leaders we look up to, we see this, there's a sacrificial love. Uh, They're making a difference by their generosity. Uh, This is something that we aspire to, we look up to, but yet to implement in our own lives, it could be very hard. Uh, At the end of someone's life, you know, they don't regret by not buying a boat or something crazy like that. They rather regret those things of relationships. They come to what is important is love even though the world may uh, continue to tell us stuff is important we know as leaders as christians love is important and we need to implement this and fight the flesh in this way Uh, Corey ten boone said the measure of a life after all is not its duration but its donation and this principle rings true to our souls as we look to our savior jesus what a general generous life is 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. We are most like Jesus in our leadership when we are serving others, loving others, and practically we can do this through generosity. And so the question I want to ask you today is, what does it look like to be a generous leader? To have us follow in the footsteps of God himself who is generous, who loved the world so much that he gave his only son to for us. Um, because when we are generous, man, we're going to be blessed. We're going to honor God in our leadership. And so the text we find ourselves in today is Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 14 through 19. It shows us some practical ways we could be generous um, once again as we're learning these important lessons from the book of Nehemiah. And those truths 
or that we should be generous in three specific ways uh, with our leadership. We could be generous with our finances. Uh, we could be generous with our words and we could be generous with our time. And so let's go ahead and look at that. The first thing I want to dive into and probably the most important subject with generosity is um, we need to talk about as leaders how we could be generous with our finances, with our finances. In verse 14 and 15, uh, brings up this point. It says, Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the uh, 32nd year of Artaxerxes the king, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowed allowance of the governor. So for 12 years, Nehemiah didn't eat the allowed uh, portion or that he could have had being a governor. Verse 15 says, the former governors who were before me, well, they laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them their daily rations, 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded it over the people. But I, I did not do so because of the fear of God. Well, Nehemiah makes it a clear distinction between his leadership and past leadership or his government, uh, how he governed things and um, past governors. He was using his authority to bless others and was generous with his finances. This is important to say because, again, leadership is such a popular subject uh, today. But as church leaders, we're getting our our examples from God and his word. And we need to be servant leaders, leading like Jesus and looking to Nehemiah and saying, okay, this is actually an, a better way. There's a distinction between a worldly leader and a godly leader. Too often people want the role of a leader to serve themselves and not others, like these past governors. Um, these past worldly leadership, it says they laid heavy burdens on the people. Why? Because they were using the people. They were using their authority for themselves. And we still see this today, right? People leading for a position of power, people wanting to lead for the perks and privileges like a food allowance or whatever it may be to try to serve themselves, not to serve others. But Jesus warns us it shouldn't be this way and even shows us in his leadership, how to lead. In John 13, you remember how he washed the disciples' feet and told them to lead like he led. Uh, in verse 15 and 17 of John 13, Jesus said, For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. To you, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you, if you do them, we're blessed to lead in the ways that God wants us to lead and not to just follow the example of the world and what is popular. In fact, the apostle Peter, uh, he would actually write first Peter chapter five, verse two and three, uh, two leaders to teach them how to leave lead like Christ. He would say, shepherd the flock among, uh, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, and not for shameful gain. Let me say it again, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in charge, but being examples to the flock. Uh, this past governors led for selfish gain, but we see in this text, Nehemiah, he led through his generosity. Uh, he didn't wasn't doing it for the privileges or the perks. He was actually using his resources of finances to serve other people. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah gave up his rights uh, that he had to lead other people well. 
Sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? How was he able to do this? Well, the same way as Jesus was able to give up his rights and serve other people. Uh, He did this as worship unto the Lord. And that's what our leadership should look like. It should look like worship unto the Lord. Uh, John 13, 3, Jesus says he knew, uh, knowing that the Father had sent him and his identity was in the Father, he was able to serve people. He didn't think about and trying to oppress other people. He was trying to serve and impress God. Uh, And then Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 15 says, Nehemiah said, I did not do so because of the fear of the Lord or the fear of God. Leading for Nehemiah was worship. This caused him to be generous, not to be like the other past governors who abused their position of power. And you know, when we are leading with a posture of worship, it practically affects how you lead. Proverbs 15, 16 says, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. And so a couple of questions for you as we think about generosity and serving in this way is, man, are you serving with your finances? Are you walking in the fear of the Lord? What does that look like for you? Is money an idol for you? Uh, The reason that people were sinning, um, even in this day, and the wall got destroyed is because they were having a love for money and not God. It was idolatry. And the Bible warns us as people, Hebrews 13, 5, to keep your life free from the love of money. 1 Timothy 6, um, 10 says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through the craving that some have wandered away from their faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Listen, if we're in love with money and that is our motivation and not God, it's going to cause us to wander. It's going to cause us not only to wander in our leadership, godly leadership, but could even be our faith and could hurt many people. And so the first thing we see Nehemiah is generous with is with his finances. It's a very practical way to serve and to bless others. You know what they say, cash is king, right? And so he literally is giving up cash um, to worship God and to bless other people. And Paul, the apostle, would tell Timothy to instruct us as followers of Jesus to be generous in this way with our cash, with finances. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 19 say, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or prideful in their resources, nor to set their hopes of the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Riches aren't bad. We're to enjoy them. They're provided by God. But the text says that they are to do good with it, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. It's truly the life that we should be living is one of generosity and that includes our finances. And this includes you and I as godly church leaders because if we're going to be godly church leaders, we first need to be Christians. And this principle is just for all Christians. We need to set the pace to lead in our character and in godliness. And one of the ways that we do that is through our worship of finances. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. I know it could even seem a little weird for some of us that are Bible, uh, not by vocational, but vocational pastors that get paid from the church. There's nothing wrong with that. But God would also want all of our finances, even when we get a paycheck to the church, to be tithed back and to give and to sacrificially give to others. You know, the Levites, an example of this, 
is in Numbers chapter 18, 28, and 29. The Levites were vocational leaders, but yet they were still instructed to give a generous portion back to the Lord, the tithe, and also more to serve in that way. And so we need to make sure that the Lord is ruling in all of our life, including our finances. Tim Keller said this, a lack of generosity refuses to acknowledge that your assets are not really yours, but God's. Remember this verse says in Timothy that God gives these resources. So we want to acknowledge God in our finances. And the way that we do that is being generous. And that should spill out not only in our Christianity and the way that we serve the Lord in our everyday life, but also in our leadership. Being generous is something that we should not only do uh, every day in our leadership, but we should actually strive to grow in generosity. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 tells us to excel in this act of giving. You know, it's hard because after you read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, those two chapters, it's hard to argue the fact that we should not only be giving 10%, but because of the gospel, responding to the gospel, we should give, uh, man, a, a radical sacrificial um, offering unto the Lord and really pray through what we should give. Uh, we should be giving more than 10%. If 10% was the law, you should be giving more under grace. C.S. Lewis said this, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Listen, we don't want to be legalistic about even worshiping and being generous. See, I, I gave 10% and I'm done. Check, box, done. No, we want it to be worship unto the Lord, generous as we give, and it's going to have to sacrifice on our part in some way. And so we all need to pray about how to be generous and what that looks like and let the Holy Spirit lead in our giving because the Lord has blessed us with all resources and we should give those back, making them offerings to the Lord. But I do believe that as we do give sacrificially, we don't need to be worried. Uh, we don't need to worry about giving too much. Uh, if we're talking about growing in God's grace and excelling in this um, active grace or active giving, as Paul would put it in Second Corinthians. Um, you know, it's a common phrase, you can't outgive God. God knows our hearts and he provides for us and gives for us gener generously. And when we are giving generously, he blesses us and allows us to uh, stretch the finances he allows us to have or gives us more. And we just are able to give in, uh, in an attitude and posture of worship. Proverbs 11.24 says this, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Jesus said in the New Testament, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. God blesses us as we give to him. And Malachi says you can test this. And it's not just necessarily I give a dollar and I get a dollar, two dollars back. God blesses our whole mindset, our worship, because he honors our worship unto him. And we do that through our giving. As sacrificially we give, he rewards us and so much more than just finances. Missionary James, uh, J. Hudson Taylor said, God wants you to have something far better than riches and gold, and that is helplessness, our helpless dependence upon him. You know, sometimes God, we will give generously, and uh, God will actually allow us 
to be more dependent on him because we need those finances. Uh, Currently in my situation in my life, uh, being a bivocational pastor, uh, there are often times where I'm a little stressed, maybe too much about uh, where the next paycheck is going to come from. I work with clients and I have retainer work, which is awesome, but a lot of things aren't consistent. And I literally have to pray more and more and more and say, God, will you provide? Will you provide? This just happened to me this week was worrying, stressed, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, will you provide? And all of a sudden, uh, the next day, someone out of the blue said, hey, can you design a book cover for me? Hey, can you do this podcast for me? Hey, can you do this? It was like, boom, boom, boom. All this work started lining up. And so we can trust God. And some of the blessings that God gives us as we give generously, maybe sometimes you guys know, maybe the Lord's told you to give your paycheck away to someone or to help this family or just to give a special donation to your church. Um, He's going to take care of you. And he doesn't just necessarily do that by uh, giving you the same amount of money. Maybe he lessens a bill. Maybe he blesses you through another family and dependence and humility through other people. Uh, And maybe it's just, hey, I have half of what I thought I was going to have and I need to trust God and God shows up in a great way. Those are some of the more even important lessons. But this posture of service and leading, it does lead to a blessing. It does lead to a blessing in our lives. Proverbs 11.25 says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and the one who waters himself will be watered as we serve as we bless we're going to be enriched as saint francis of assisi said for it is in giving that we receive and so nehemiah was very generous with his finances uh, but yet we see him also support the work not just with finances but with his time he was generous with his time verse 16 tells us this Verse 16 says, I also preserved, uh, persevered in the work on this wall and acquired no land and all my servants were gathered there for the work. He persevered in the work. He gave his life time to this ministry. Uh, It wasn't for getting land and doing it for finances. It was tuned to the Lord. And so that expressed through giving finances away, but also giving his time away. It wasn't just a nine to five thing. I hope that serving the Lord isn't just a a nine to five thing or a job. It's a calling that is your life. It takes time to serve the Lord in the ways that he calls you to do. And although I do believe we do need to set boundaries and time limits of how much we are able to work in our capacity, we also need to recognize that just leadership takes a lot of work and time. It says here, Nehemiah persevered in the work. Being generous with your time isn't always easy, and it's not always fun. It can be hard. We need to persevere. But we should recognize this and expect to be generous with our time to get the things that God's called us to do. Why? Because if not, we can actually have ministry start to make us bitter because we start thinking time is ours rather than the Lord's. Remember, we've been redeemed by Christ, and everything that we do now should be worship unto Him. And part of us being generous is being generous with our time. We do remember that every day is a gift from God to worship Him, and we need to invest our time wisely to please Him. Romans six eighteen says, We, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. We're called to invest our time wisely to serve God generously with our lives. And so here's another couple of questions when it comes to time and generosity. How can you be generous with your time? What does that look like for you in your ministry? Maybe you do have a nine to five job, you're bivocational. 
uh, and you only have a certain amount of time. What does it look like for you to give that time generously unto the Lord? For me, it's making that extra phone call, writing a personal letter, taking that time to think through things. Uh, Maybe for me, it's serving on a school board in our community that's not necessarily connected to Redemption Church, but just wanting to serve and use that leadership to bless others. It's being open to meeting people in our church and in our community. It's having people over for dinner uh, just to spend time with them and show them love. Some of these things come easier than others, but I have to persevere in them and I have to strategically say, okay, how can I be generous with my time this week? Or maybe being bivocational, sometimes I have more time than others. Some weeks I have a full 40 hours. Other weeks I only have 20. It just depends and I have to pray through these things. And so will you. How can you be generous with your time? What can you give? What does that look like? I don't know what it looks like for you to be generous. I don't know your schedule or capacity. But I do know the idea of giving above and beyond with your time. um, That it will cost you something. And we just need to be as leaders okay with that. Even if you get paid full time for ministry and you have a set job in certain days, you know, if someone calls on your day off or even um, emergency comes up, it's a way that we could be generous with our time. We see Nehemiah was generous with his time because he persevered in the work on the wall with them and his servants gathered there for the work. So he was spending a lot of finances, a lot of time on this project. And lastly, I believe we should be generous with our words. I think we should be generous with our words and our leadership. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. You know, words are powerful, and as leaders, we should use them to bring forth life and encouragement. Life and encouragement. Nehemiah spent time with people at his table. The idea is he's having fellowship and he's eating and he's talking with all of these people. That's where he didn't take the food allowance, but then he provided it. And in verse 17 through 18, he says, Moreover, there were there were at my table 150 men, Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now, what was prepared at my expense for each day was an ox and six choice sheep and birds and every 10 days, all kinds of wine in abundance. Yet for all this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor because the service was too heavy on this people. Uh, He used his own funds and his own time to be with people, to have people at his table, 150 plus men and more. This is a great example for us. Um, So we're to be generous with our finances and our time, but let's not forget that we should be generous in our words as well. He was spending time with people and he wanted to make sure that uh, he had that fellowship to spend time and to pour into them. We see this principle all throughout scripture. You know, leaders words uh, I've heard, they hold a significant weight to others and we need to use our words to build other people up. They, they carry a certain weight and they're heavier than others. If your leader says, hey, good job, it makes a big difference. Um, man, we see this principle so true and important, even in the Apostle Paul, who sent Tychicus, uh, Tychicus to the, the Ephesus church to just speak to them. You have to remember, even back then, it was risky to travel. It wasn't safe at the time, but Paul wanted uh, Tychicus, uh, this faithful minister of the gospel, just to speak to them, to be with them, and to build them up. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 22, Paul says, I have sent him 
to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Oh man, how you can build someone up with your words as leaders. And don't you see Jesus doing this as well? Just being with people, giving them words of life, even though Jesus was a master teacher and we had the Sermon on the Mount. You know, a lot of his messages were from conversations, just being with people around a dinner table or a meal. You know, in Luke's gospel, one uh, theologian said Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. He's using these moments of fellowship, eating, breaking bread to lift people up. It wasn't even necessarily a formal thing. And so I want you to be aware of how you can use your words um, with people to be generous. Yes, we can have the systems of encouraging people in our staff meetings and writing letters and those things. But don't forget, as you're rubbing uh, off with people life on life, that man, the Lord wants to use his spirit through you to give words of encouragement. So just be thinking about that. Be generous. Be encouraging. Finally, Nehemiah says and asks God to remember his generosity. He was being generous with his finances, with his um, time and with his words. And he says, remember for my God, oh my God, uh, remember for my good, oh my God, all that I have done for this people. And you know what? God does remember our generosity when we live with them out in these ways and even promises us to reward us as we lead in these ways. And so I'll, I'll close with this quote. I hope that was a helpful lesson for you to think about ways you can uh, be generous in those areas uh, because I do think God calls us to. But I'll close with this quote about the importance of pouring out to others and being generous by D.L. Moody. He says this, What makes the dead sea dead? Because it is all the time receiving, never giving out anything. Why is it that many Christians are cold? Because they are all the time receiving and never giving out anything. Man, let's not be dead in our leadership, but rather alive as we live a generous life, overflowing with the spirit of Christ who is in us and wants us to be generous and calls us to lead in this way. Join us for a conversation with Pastor Daniel and his dad, Pastor Joe Williams, as they share a pastoral perspective on the book of Nehemiah. Well, Nehemiah feared God and wanted to please him, so he was generous. Uh, He didn't abuse his authority, his power, but he actually used that to serve people. Uh, Daddy, how important is it for us as leaders to fear God and please him over man in our leadership? Well, you know, God is who you have to answer to. Uh, Of course, we should fear God. We should reverence him, you know, be in awe of him. And uh, that is going to really impact your ministry, Put, putting God first and knowing who he is and knowing that he's holy. Yes, we are to reverence God. I mean, not walking around trembling fear, you know, like that, but I'm talking about reverence and respect and recognizing who he is. It's going to affect how you act, how you think, because at the end of the day, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to face him and give an account. So, it's very important to fear the Lord and put him first and try to please him in all your ways as much as you can. What are some downsides that you've seen over the years when people fear man and, and, and live for their approval and their opinions rather than just fearing God? 
You know, when you fear a man, you know, First John said fear is torment. You know, man can torment you by trying to please people. Um, you really can't do that. You really can't please all the people all the time. And if you fear a man, you, you're not going to be able to make good decisions because if if you make this decision, that group is going to be angry. If you make that decision, this group's going to be angry. So what do you do? You know, Paul said he wasn't a man, a man pleaser. You got to be pleasing God and let the chips fall as they may. Because if you try to please every person, uh, it can just drive you crazy. I mean, it's not it's not possible because there's so many different opinions. And everybody's opinion in their mind is right. So please the Lord. It takes a lot of pressure off of you. Sometimes people don't like it. Well, you know, you can't you can't please everybody. You just can't do it. And it. It will just really drive you just, you know, it'll take away your peace and your joy. Um, so just try to please God and let the chips fall as they may. That's what I do. Now, Nehemiah served the people, loved the people, was generous to them. But there was other leaders that took advantage of their power, gave out them loans, <laughs> interest, all that different stuff. How have you seen church leaders abuse their authority and power? And how can we prevent that in our own lives? Yeah, authority can be abused. You know, Peter said we shouldn't lord over God's, over God's heritage. We shouldn't lord over God's heritage. You know, authority can be abused by, you know, thinking that we are superior, thinking that, you know, I'm the pastor, so I'm always right, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that, and I think people pick up on that. I think authority is good, but sure, authority can be abused. So we have to be very careful that we don't do that because people can see it. You know, uh, pride can be seen. There's a way to lead, but you have to lead in love and gentleness. You know, you, people want to know that you really care for them and that you have their best interests in mind. So... Um, just be on guard for that. If you're going to lead, don't abuse it, you know, because, you know, God could take you out and use somebody else. Put, you know, all of us are replaceable, really. God doesn't have to uh, always use us. He can always have somebody else that can take our place. So just because we're the pastors doesn't mean that we are supposed to walk around like we are better or something like that. Just be, be who you are. Be loving and kind and gentle and not abuse your authority because if you do, people can see it. And one of the ways that Nehemiah served the people was through generosity, through his finances. Why is it important for us as church leaders to be generous with finances, including tithes and offerings and just being generous um, with our finances towards people? I think we set the example, you know, to be, you know, to use generosity. We set the example, you know, I've, with my, with our tithe and offering, my wife and I, we give 10%, over 10% every month to, um, to the Lord, you know. Uh, and I think it's very important that we set that example. I know a lot of people today, they don't believe in tithing. They say tithing was for the Old Testament and it's not was for the New Testament. It's for the Old Testament and it went out. With the Old Testament, but I still give more than 10%, and it always comes back a uh, hundredfold. Most people in my church, um, they don't tithe. 
Most people don't. They'll give here, they'll give there. $50 here, $50 there, but they really don't give 10%. Uh, I probably got maybe 15, 20 people in my whole church out of 60 that really tithe. But the ones that are not tithing, they are really having some financial problems, financial struggles. And the people that are tithing, they're doing fine financially. They're doing fine. God is blessing them. And that's the only place in the Bible where God says, test me and see when I pour out you a blessing that you won't even be able to contain it. I'll pour you out so many blessings, man. He said, just, you know, I still believe people are robbing God. If they're not giving, at least 10%. You know, you can give more if you want, but at least 10%. I think they're robbing God. And um, most of the people I know that are not tithing, they're having financial problems. And, and God has met all of our needs. We've always tithed. We've always given. We've always been generous. It always comes back a hundredfold. Um, God has blessed us tremendously. And we're not giving to get. We're just giving because we want to store up treasures in heaven. We don't want to store up treasures on earth because everything we have, we're going to have to leave it behind. As the old saying goes, how much did the rich man leave behind? Well, he left it all. So you want to store up treasures in heaven because that's where you're headed. That's where you're going. This is not your home. So the best investment that you can make is to invest in the kingdom of God. Because this is going to last, what you do here is going to last forever. So I would say be generous, you know, to your church. Be generous to your pastor. Uh, your pastor might have financial needs. If you can bless him financially, because God blesses us that we might bless other people. If God has blessed you financially, that means that he blessed you to bless others. He doesn't want you to hoard it. And start just buying material things. So he wants you to, he bless you so you can be a blessing. So be generous in your gifts and talents. Be, gillous, be uh, generous in your tithes and offerings. And, and God will bless you for it. You will see. And you said be generous in your time and talents. Uh, as leaders, we do also need to be generous, not just with our finances, but with time, with our words as well. How have you tried to be generous with those things as well, with your giving of words and giving life and giving time and being generous with those things? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be generous as much as I can with my time, my offerings, my gifts and my talents. You know, uh, it's, it's amazing. Um, you know, I like guitar. I like guitar players. I watch guitar players and everything. And, and um, I'd never really have been a, a great guitarist. Never have. But uh, I really enjoy watching guys that, that play guitar, you know. And I think, boy, that's so neat. But God just told me to use a little bit that you have. You know, uh, use a gift that you have. And I've always tried to put that guitar down for, for almost 40 years. I've said, Lord, I don't want to go out there and sing. I mean, I don't, I'm not a great singer. I'm not a great guitar player. And God has used it for 40 years. Uh, I have never been a great speaker, basically. And I have never liked to be out front. I don't like to be out front in front of people. You know, I don't like people watching me and scrutinizing me and stuff like that. I don't like, but I have always been out front for 40 years. Um, and God is saying, okay, 
I know you can't do it, but just go out there and do it. And I've done it. And God has blessed. God has blessed. The little bit that God has given you, he wants you to multiply it. He doesn't want you to bury it. He doesn't want you to bury your gifts and your talents because he gave you gifts and talents to bless the body, to edify the body. So um, use your finances for the kingdom of God. Use your time, your gifts, your talents. Because what are you doing? This is going to last throughout eternity. You only get one chance at this. Once this life is over, you can't go back. This is it. I hear a lot of people on their dying bed, a lot of people I've heard say, man, I wish I had given more. I wish I had served more, man. I wish I had not worked so much. I know some guys in my church, they are workaholics. They work six days a week, 10 hours a day. They have no time. They say, I wish I hadn't done that. But, you know, you don't want to say that. Invest in the things that are truly has eternal value. And that will last forever and ever. Yeah, and Nehemiah wanted God to remember his good works. Uh, and he prays that and asks God to that. How important is it for us to just keep striving to do good works, to do righteous deeds in all that we do, to seek the kingdom first and let everything follow? Yeah, seek the kingdom first. Everything else will fall in place, really. If you put God first, you have a different perspective on life. You see life different. If you put God first, you'll find out that Everything else will be in order. But if God is not first, everything else is going to be out of order. The Lord wants to be first in all of our lives, not second, not third. The Bible says, seek ye first, not seek ye second. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. And you can get so busy, you can get so busy, you know, so busy serving till you can miss that relationship with Christ yourself. So make sure you keep your priorities straight, put him first. And, um, you know, the Bible said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, you know, mind, your mind and your strength and your neighbor as yourself. So you want to put him first and God will bless you and he will honor that and he will bless your life. Well, why don't you testify a little bit for us? Because I know a lot of leaders struggle with finances. It's not, not many of us make um, a lot in ministry. And so sometimes it is hard and it takes faith to be generous with our finances. What have been some struggles financially you've dealt with over the years and how has God provided in maybe a miraculous way or maybe just through people or generosity? How has God provided for you as you've given uh, all these years? Well, you know, uh, I was about vocational for 30 years in my ministry and God provided for me through a job. You know, through my job, God gave me a great job because my church was small, very small. We had a lot of widows there, a lot of people there that wasn't working. Um, I only had maybe, you know, 25, 30 people. Um, so I, God gave me a good job that I made enough money that I could help other people. Uh, we paid our house off. We paid off our, our credit cards off, paid our bills off. And we didn't have any debt, so God says, okay, I want you to bless other people now. But we struggle financially like everybody else, you know, but God has always met our needs. You know, and God has promised to meet your needs, not your greed, right? So some things we're not supposed to spend money on, really. You know, you know if you see, if, you, if God has blessed you and you are 
uh, see your brother and sister in need. And the Bible said, you know, if you tell them to be warm and filled, what good is that? That's, that's not going to do them any good. But if you can bless, if God shows you a need, you know, there's, there's a lot of pastors I know that struggling financially. Because people, uh, most people are not going to tithe. They're not going to give to the church. I know people, they'll go to the restaurants, they'll go buy nice cars, they'll spend the money on other things, they got boats, they got nice trucks and everything, and when it comes to Christ, they'll say, well, I can't afford it. Well, you know, you got a $60,000 truck and a boat, you know, and a nice, beautiful home and all this stuff, and they putting God last, basically, they're giving God their leftovers. If they have 50 bucks left over, they'll give it to the Lord. Well, the Bible said we should seek ye first, we should put God first. No matter how bad my finances has been, I've always uh, tithed and put our finances first. We've always supported the ministry and everything else. I don't know how, but everything else was paid. Cause we knew it wasn't enough money to pay those bills, but at the end of the month, all those bills were paid. So I know God can do it, but it takes a step of faith. Some people, you know, they, they don't have the faith. They say they're afraid. I hear people say, well, I don't have enough money even to pay my own bills. I can't give God 10%. I tell them, you give God 10% and your bills will be paid. So trust God in, in your finances. Be generous. God bless you. You bless other people. You should be looking to bless other people. And, you know, money does can bless other people. If a person have a need, and man, you can just uh, write a person a check to help them pay the rent. Oh, it's a great feeling because the Bible say what is more blessed to give than to receive, right? So you get so blessed by giving and helping people. But God doesn't give us money that we can uh, hoard it. He blessed you to bless others. Thank you for joining us for today's Leadership Lessons podcast. For more content, you can visit eeleaders.com and follow us on social media at eeleaders.